Warning, the following episode contains adult language and screaming goats. Listener discretion is advised. The Pinball Network is online. Launching The Pinball Show. It's all about them gaps on this week's episode of The Pinball Show. Dennis and I discuss switch gaps, lizard gaps, swimming pool gaps, book gaps, connectivity gaps, seller gaps, manufacturing gaps, gaps in scheduling, convention gaps, training wheels gaps, market gaps, gaps in pinball content, and we even got them gaps that come up from below. I'm Gappy Gappy. Pinball is a game of skill. For some, it's a passion and a lifestyle. It's time for the Pinball Show. It's pinball with personality. You bring it down to change my world. You are a girl for me. You lift the fuse. I stand confused. You are the best for me. But you turn me up. Hey, guess what, everybody? It's episode 111 of the Pinball Show. We're your hosts, Zach Minnie and Dennis Creasel, coming at you live. Hey, hey, hey. We're not really live. Can uh, I call you Zach Escobar, Minnie? <laughs> Here we go. See, I let Dennis know a little behind the scenes, and yep, you're never gonna let that one go. Right? I got eight thousand jokes, maybe eight hundred thousand. I don't know, Zach. I got a lot of jokes today. I'm Make feeling your good. Podcast, you can't Dennis, it's been a hell of a week, as it always is for you and I. How have uh, how have you been? I'm fine. My back's great. My back uh, had a setback. Oh, uh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. It's okay. I have I've had to set four words. I, oh. I know we'll we'll talk about Daylight one of them. Time or what? No, no. One of them involves Godzilla, which we'll we'll talk about oh, here no. in a little while. And I have finally, quote unquote, finished my uh, Sinbad project. I've been working on for a couple months now. Oh, I seen the uh, post on social media. That thing's looking. Yeah, good. I had to take I had to take it from a distance because there is playfield wear, and I'd be like, Zach's gonna be like, why is mm-hmm. the playfield so worn? I'm like, because I don't do restorations. I make projects into players. Oh, so, I make things work. Yes, I got. So the you know the board sets in. I've changed out all the drop targets. Got the new pop caps. I've changed all the flipper bats, all the coil sleeves. Uh, one of the coil stops was inappropriate. I've changed oh. that. All new flipper springs. You know, so that thing is playing now. Did you say? Did you rebuild the pop bumpers? No, the pops were good. Just the caps oh. were broken off of them. Oh, those are a pain in the ass to rebuild, aren't they? Uh, yeah, I have done a few them. before. It's just because you, know, you have to desolder. It's just sort of tedious oh, okay. on those old ones, but it's not hard. Um, but no, the pops, like the bodies of the pops, were, I didn't see any damage to them, but the caps were all broken, um, so they wouldn't stay on. Ooh, so they brittle. were in the coin box. Yeah, they were just brittle. So I changed those out, Titan rubbers and the whole thing, um, LED'd, so no more burnt oh, out. So oh. a lot of socket corrosion, so I had to clean a lot Do of those that up. Do slam the- tilt, Bruce? LED'd. Smart man. That's right. LED. It's br- it's brighter than Vintner Avenue at night. <laughs> what the uh, what LEDs did you go with? Oh, Comet. Come on. I know. At this point, it's. I just keep. I just keep sunlight LEDs in a in a tackle box. <laughs> yeah. Just, well, so I, I do see some people with EMs. They 
uh, depending on the theming and the coloring, they might go a warm. But yeah, for the most mm. part, sunlight's kind of the standard. I sunlight's just a safe. I honestly, I don't care what shade of white you throw in. Uh, oh, I have really? Some, Laboratory blue? Not, not, not too. I mean, I don't. If it's all consistent, I don't. I don't care too much. Now, okay. when I now I've done it before, like my firepower, where firepower. the cooler colors I have used the kind of that blue white, and mm-hmm. then in the warmer colors I've used the warm white. This Ooh. was before the sunlights were out. Okay, makes sense. And so I've done that to you know let it pop. Mm-hmm. You know your favorite thing. The colors have to pop. That's so right. I've done that, but. But no, I mean, if if it, if I could do it all in just a white, that's fine. But but sunlight is the safest choice for any of the colors. Did you go rubbers? Did you go silicone? Uh, Titan silicone. Oh, man. I didn't know they made regular rubbers. All Titan. And those bats were were pretty brittle, so I replaced all those bats oh, with now. the metal ones. <laughs> no, <laughs> because I'm not going to turn Sinbad into Toy Story Four. Oh no, we'll get to that too. Damn it. Wah, wah. It's still in my garage. I got to I got to get rid of a game to put it into the main lineup. I got to get rid of a game as good as you get rid of an above ground pool. What what are you going to get rid of? I haven't decided yet. My the most logical one would probably be Death Firepower. That's the Buck Rogers. Well, the Buck Rogers has had its backlast restored, so I kind of don't want to Oh, that's pretty. And I haven't, yeah. I I still need to like I want to prop it up more. I thought I have somewhere in this house I have leg levelers that are extended to put on the back. I can't find them. Because that game is too slow. It's too floaty. I got to jack it up well beyond spec. I got to, yeah, I might need to stick a two by four under that. Uh, So I thought about getting rid of Firepower just because I've had it for so, so long. So much, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and I don't play it much anymore. So, and it's of the same basic era. Sinbad's a 78 game and Firepower is just a couple years newer. So, Mm. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm at, uh, where I'm thinking I'll I'll do. But because I think Sinbad should go ahead and go in the main lineup. Mm. It will make me somewhat Gottlieb heavy in the room. That I mean, that my only Williams game is firepower. But or I would say like a year or two ago, people always kind of put that on you. They said that you have this love for Gottlieb, which wasn't totally true. But now you're falling into that stereotype. They were accessible projects. So, I mean, a lot of people get rid of Gottlieb's. A lot of times they weren't too badly worn because they weren't routed that hard, yeah. <laughs> maybe because they broke. And so, so uh, yeah, I, you know, because there was a time I had at the same time, I think I had Buck Rogers, Super Orbit, and Jaxta Open and Hoops, and they were all some flavor of Gottlieb, mm-hmm. which is a lot. That is a but, lot. But Super Orbit's gone. Jaxta Open's gone. A lot of your games are gone. You alluded to it earlier. Mm-hmm. A lot of our fans and listeners, my family, friends. When they come over to my home now, there will be something gone on my property as well. It's going to sadden a lot of you listeners to hear this, but I want you to sit down, take a breath, and just know it's in a better place. Gone is the mini's above-ground pool. A.K.A. the hot tub. (laughs) I almost had to contact the Evansville Historical Society and let them know that uh, we're getting rid of a landmark. Hmm. It's gone. Do uh, landmarks need permits, Zach, or fencing? <laughs> well, you have to have a fence for for an above ground pool. You can't just walk into it. <laughs> well, it depends. If there was a deck, what would you? Here's a question for you: What if there was a deck around the above ground pool? Well, does the access entrance points to the deck are they uh, capable of being locked? So it's gone, Zach. The above ground How? pool is gone. Why? Out. Why? It's just a You're... big old ring of sand now. <laughs> now it's a ring ring of sadness. Ring of sadness. Man, I was getting t-shirts made and everything. We were going to... People were taking selfies by it. 
without your knowledge. I think people came and picked it up just because they knew it was a well-known, you know, pool. And we were giving it to them for free. You should have given it away on stream. Well, we could have done that. That was caveat. It's like it was it almost ended my life putting this thing up. So if you want it, disassemble it, take it away, you can have it. That's cool. So if I want to take it, well, I mean, obviously it's gone now. It's too late for me. But if I wanted to take it away, should I just bring my one SUV? Yeah, it was the individuals picking it up did. It made me giggle because they pulled in in like a small Nissan Rogue or something. And I'm like, what the hell is that going to do? And they got there and they were like, oh, shit. I got to get like a, I got a ratchet <laughs> and everything. up a child's waiting pool or what? Um, but it was good entertainment for the afternoon. It took them about five hours to do. Uh, after hour three, then a couple more vehicles showed up to stuff things. And Nicole, bless her heart, she was like, we were watching. She's we making them lemonade. We weren't eating popcorn, but she was like, do you think maybe we should like at least lend them a a power drill or something. <laughs> Cause they had like just by hand, man, cranking each screw by hand, taking that thing apart. God bless them. Wow. Well, like, well they you, deserved it more than we do. They're putting they got a free pull out of it. Absolutely. Just, just cost labor. They didn't invite us though to, uh, to swim there. So whatever. I see how it is. Well, I don't know if it's put together yet. I mean, after as long of an ordeal as that would have been, they might've been like, you know what? I need a, like a week or two off. Yeah, jokes on me. They took it down to the scrapyard and sold the metal and made yeah, some yes. money. It was it was made out of pure copper. Oh man, it's gone, Dennis. Uh-huh. End of an era. Gone. I still have my hot tub. Mm. Uh, coincidentally enough, you you were streaming this last week with Joel Engelberth and the gang from TPN, and uh, I was watching as I sat naked in my hot tub. You thought that was a joke? I, I'm. I was being serious. I didn't think anything of it was true or not. Yeah, I was being serious. Yeah, I was sitting there lounging and bubbling and listening to you guys talk about fucking metal flippers. It was enthralling. That was not my play. that was not my suggestion. Fact, I think I, I might have turned it off and watched House of Dragon on HBO. I might have said which was pretty good. I like that first episode. Um I think I might have said to Joel before we started that we had talked about this on a prior stream I had been on. And I wasn't sure if we needed to invest more time in it, but it's his show. And he clearly felt that more time was needed. Oh, he just man, invited Joel. me. He's just like that day. I, I can tell when they're, de- when he's desperate. Cause I get a message day of day like, of hey, message. Dennis, okay. can you do this stream on? Mm-hmm. I'm like, he starts late enough that usually it's, yeah, I could. I, I do could love those work. streams though. They're a lot of fun. I, you know, they get a lot more people than I expect to mm-hmm. watch live. It's sort of a, a lot of people it's weird for those. And like industry people, I'm like, I didn't know industry people even wanted to consume content from a bunch of nobodies. Yeah. Speaking of you were, uh, you were describing some of the issues you were having in Godzilla that we'll talk about here in a bit, but, uh, the one and only Keith Elwin chimed in to help and answer one of your, uh, one of your inquiries. That was cool. It was interesting. I was actually, I had, uh, I'd seen the the message come through YouTube. I'm glad Joel didn't notice it initially, which I, I'm glad. Cause he probably would have just asked, uh, Keith. 20 questions about Deadpool, <laughs> uh, which would have been inappropriate. So, but he had already, he had sent me a message. Keith had on Facebook. We're not, we're not Facebook friends. He just, he looked me up and sent me a, a message. Cause uh, he had a suspicion about what my issue was based mm. off of how I had described it on the stream. And you have been plagued with me uh, trying to trying. help, trying to help me resolve this issue as my distributor. You're the fucking goat. Flipping out pinball. Ding. And this is foreshadowing to a future story here in the episode, but. 
mm-hmm. the goat comes in and instead of just plunging and walking off, he finished the job. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> uh, I see Mike, a mystery castle in your future. <laughs> Mike from Pinballers was on the stream, as was yes. our very own top stories correspondent for the Pinball Show, Craig Bobby. What has Craig got for us this week, Zach? What you got, Craig? Hello and welcome to the Pinball Show's Top Stories. I'm Craig Bobby. The tension is almost palpable these days as the pinball world waits with bated breath for any sort of word or announcement from the world's largest pinball manufacturer, Stern Pinball, on what their latest release might be. I can tell you, and I'm ashamed to admit, Zach and Dennis, that I've been offering myself up in ways that are not befitting of a reporter looking for the slightest grain or morsel of information about Stern's latest release, but sadly, to no avail. Will Stern release their new mystery title this coming week? God, I hope so, but we shall have to wait and see. I can report, though, that the last production run of Led Zeppelin was shown, making its way down the production line as Stern bids farewell to Steve Ritchie's last design title with the company before leaving for rival Jersey Jack Pinball. Stern Pinball also continues to expand its award-winning insider-connected platform this past week with some new features to enjoy at home or on location with the launching of their milestone badges. These badges, similar to what can be seen on popular videos, video game platforms such as PlayStation, Xbox, or Nintendo Switch, which track daily streaks, days played, and games played. Once earned, these badges will display on your Insider Connected profile. And speaking of good news, Toy Story 4 Collector's Editions appear to be shipping ahead of what we reported on our last show, as the Jersey Jack Facebook page showed dozens of Toy Story 4s going out to dealers and customers around the world this past week. Jersey Jack also confirmed to eager customers Customers that JJP Collector's Edition orders placed through distributors will ship first, followed by orders placed directly through the Jersey Jack website once those distributor orders have been fulfilled. Ever wondered what one of those modern machines that never made it to full production might actually play like if they were actually produced? Well, those attending the Pinball Expo in Chicago this year at the end of October will be able to do just that as American Pinball has helped sponsor a couple of pinball enthusiasts to bring a fully coded and finished John Papaduke Magic Girl back to life in a one-off expo display for the public to marvel, dream about, and actually play. Say what? The game, which was first released by the now-debunked Zidware Pinball over five years ago, continues to be very controversial in the pinball community for bilking people from their hard-earned dollars and for other reasons that are too complicated to go into in this report, but I encourage you to read more about the history of the game and the people that have now brought one of these games back to life in a very well-written article that can be found on the king of all pinball news sites, Nap Arcade. And speaking of American pinball, don't look now all of you Oktoberfest fans, but Steve Bowden recently posted on the American Pinball Facebook page that new code is now up on tap for Oktoberfest, which adds team play to the Oktoberfest code. Say what? 
This very popular feature will play much like co-op mode seen on both Spooky's Total Nuclear Annihilation and Stern's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles which allow two players to play as a team to combine their scores and achievements to advance through the game. Well, that's all for this week as we continue to wait for word on Stern's next release. For The Pinball Show, I'm Craig Bobby. Catch you on the flip side. Whew. Well, thanks, Craig, for trying to make some uh, gold out of dung. That's right. You didn't have much work with it. <laughs> no, you, you sent me his audio before <laughs> we started recording. And I thought that's very atypical, actually. And yeah, so is, I yeah. thought there was like some super important reveal. And I listened to it all. And I'm like, Zach, what is this? It's just Craig hoping to finally know what's going on at Stern. Oh, Craig's twiddling his thumbs like we are over here uh, at the Pinball Show. Not a lot of news, but the one thing that I do appreciate and love and respect about that guy, he can take nothing and still make it entertaining. Craig is one of the best. That should be our that should be our motto for this show. <laughs> <laughs> Give us nothing, but take from them everything. Jumping off of what he spoke about, Stern Pinball this week in the news, they have a new feature for their Insider Connected system. They launched it. It's called Milestone Badges. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty novel, interesting concept. They continue to uh, really fill out this, I guess, accessory platform they're using. But it's a way to track daily streaks or days played uh, in unison. or uh, And the games you've played. But uh, the badges will display on your Insider Connected profile. Uh, if you want to check out more, Stern Pinball did a short promo video visually to kind of show you how it works. But again, by itself, you know, it's it's cool. Uh, I like the concept. I like the idea. But the bigger story here for me, Dennis, is just consistently and continually adding to Insider Connected, which, like I've said before, my wife Nicole thinks this is kind of a... Uh, a game changer for pinball. And she thinks that the platform they're using versus other platforms maybe used in the industry is what is going to just continue to set Stern even further apart from everybody else in the next year, five years, 10 years. Well, I remember when Gary Stern was on that, uh, walking the hot dog podcast, or whatever it was called. I don't remember the walking name of it. Hot. Yeah. The, you know, the Chicago one. <laughs> I know what uh, you're talking about. Yeah. That, um, yeah, I mean, he was really emphasizing in their commitment on Insider Connected. And this, yeah, the Milestone Badges kind of reminds me of uh, forum awards. A lot of yeah, uh, yeah. online forums use things like this. Though I, I do hope, I didn't see it in the initial listing, but I do hope they add one that's like a get some sunshine where you actually like don't play any games for a month or something. Well, Not just this, play every day, play every day. You need you need to have one that's like anti-addiction. Well, they that usually comes... Once you find big success in a platform like this. So once they know that they've got you, then they'll sprinkle in some of those good health measures. Just wait. I'm just waiting. There are going to be people that will be like, honey, let's, we got to go on vacation. I can't go on vacation. I'm on day 28. I need my 30 day streak. Costa Rica Mer- doesn't Mer- have Mer- any insider connected games. Damn it. What am I supposed to do? Then they're calling. Hey, Bill, can you watch my dog and also log into my Insider <laughs> yeah. Connected? Just hold in the left flip fire button for two <laughs> seconds. It's on home and team. You ain't got scam shit, team. Bill. <laughs> Stop being a dick. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can see that. I do still get the feeling that this is going to be big. Like, this is a big thing. Well, I mean, it aligns very well with what we've seen for a couple generations now of video games. 
mm-hmm. really since uh, Xbox 360 came out, which I believe was the pioneer in achievements. And then the Steam platform for PCs adopted it. And now, uh, you know, PS3 or excuse me, I think as a PS3, uh, PlayStation, Sony started doing it as well. It's just people like to get their achievements and trophies. It's a, it provides new ways to play games is what I've always liked about it. It makes you think about games in a different way. That's what it did in video games. And I think that's what it does with pinball. Do you think if you're a different manufacturer, though, that may not have uh, online connectivity yet, like an American Pinball or Chicago Gaming Company, doesn't this kind of discourage you? Like, I think it would discourage me if I was with one of those companies and they even uttered in a meeting, hey, I think we're going to try to get some online connectivity going to our future machines. I'd be like, I don't know. (laughs) At this point, why? Uh, Why even dedicate resources? I think it would come down to if it looks like it's having an impact on the industry, then I could see actually them thinking we've got to do it. But Stern already controls so much of the industry. See, that's the thing. Stern's already got so much market share. Does this, in terms of sales, really move the needle? I'm not sure that it does. I think maybe it gets people to keep their games longer. Yeah, that's so, a good point. So yeah. that might like. All of this to me seems to be more along the lines of feeding into the, we want people to buy these games for their homes and we don't want them to feel like after two months, they should be selling it for something else. Mm-hmm. Like we want them to actually feel like, you know what? These games need to last for a long time. And it's just a, it's a really different mentality for pinball, which was so location oriented. And if you're going to keep the games still viable for location play, you got you to gotta figure out another way to get like We can't all turn things into Lord of the Rings and have 40-minute games. So yeah, yeah. this gives you a new way to, to get that going, along with you know other features like like playing those challenge modes or doing co-op mode and all that. Mm-hmm. That's where what I think this feeds into. So other manufacturers, though, yeah, most of them, honestly, probably don't have the fiscal resources to be able to dedicate to develop no. their own platform. So it's sort of, you know, do they does this make them turn to Scorbit? Stern has created their own department for this. Yeah. They have their own directors. Well, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work for this. My other question to you, Dennis, would be this. You have no questions. Would you agree stage one of internet connectivity has been showcased by Multimorphic, by Jersey Jack Pinball through Scorbit, Scorbit in general, uh, Stern Pinball? Stern Pinball has has won this battle, right? I Yes, but a lot of that comes down again to volume. I don't right? think I, I see well, what you're saying, I, no, but I you don't. See, there are not enough P3s out there for it to substantially move the needle. In I'm the just hobby, talking about right? even the so, operating system, the cleanliness, the the usability, the, I mean, you could use anything. I think they hit every category as an A. They've, they've nailed this. And my point being, I think we can all agree, Insider Connected, whether you think it's for the, the bulk of machines it's uh, applicable to or whatnot, I still think it's a cleanness system. It makes the most sense to me. Um, I think that the next fight or the next uh, Russia versus USA trying to get to the moon, the next thing is who will get connectivity between two different locations playing the same game? That's the next fight. And if another manufacturer or another uh, company like a Scorbit can do that first, maybe they catch up a little bit to the dominance that Stern Insider Connected has become. Well, all right, so I cannot I cannot comment on the I guess ease of use question. Like I've not done internet setup on a P3 and I've never ever used Scorbit at all, not even as a player. So I I just I have no I have no context to compare it to. I've only done Insider Connected. Uh in regards to 
uh, ability to play on two different locations. Well, Multimorphic already does have that. That's what the whole Cosmic Cart thing was about. But, so I can play Frank in Alaska? Yes. Hmm. So, I mean, if it's about who's going to get that first, well, that was done years ago. So uh, Multimorphic wins that. Okay. So I guess I answered my own question. That still won't stop the freight train that is Insider Connected. No, because uh, again, the the volume of of P threes out there just is not. I mean, the whole platform. Yeah, co- I mean, the whole be, platform's less than a lot of just a single game sure, of stern but sales. Let's so be real, I'm gonna piss people off with this, but there's a difference between playing fucking cosmic kart racing with a buddy versus playing Deadpool with a buddy. Come on, people. Sure, well, they're different games. Of course, of course it's different. I don't different platform is different. You know what I'm trying to say here. I, I'm talking I'm about still not sure games what that a lot of what, people have. I don't understand what you're thinking. Like the whole thing with like cosmic kart racing is it's a head to head game. It's actually racing, like playing Mario Kart. So that's why it makes sense for that game. For Deadpool, what do you need besides like See, universal the, leaderboards? I thought the multimorphic stuff you could you could link them, but I didn't know, you know. As yeah, link, you link them across the internet. Yeah, I didn't know that you're, so you're simultaneously playing as a racing thing. Yes. Okay. And so, like, because of the, because the volume of Cosmic Carts isn't, you know, all that substantial. Like, I recall seeing at a time where they would try and coordinate online, because I think I saw some posts on Facebook, where people would try and say, hey, what time do you want to play? Because it's not like. Unlike Mario Kart, where there's always so many people always playing that you can always just find a game. Yeah, yeah. You know, there was some coordination because, again, we're talking much smaller volumes when it comes to pinball versus mm-hmm. a video game. But so, yeah, no, it's designed like Alaska and Guam can play each other. It's head to head. And that's the thing. I don't know yet about Stern doing this. Like what sort of I mean, I guess it'd have to be a special mode. Like normal pinball games aren't like that, right? It's score to score. It's not you know, dropping I items. I don't want to play simultaneously. And, I'm saying, hey, you want to log in? You want to play me, uh, Dennis, and, and Godzilla? And you say, yeah. And then waiting for player to start. You start, you play your ball one. As you're playing your ball one, my machine is physically almost reacting, and I see scoreboard, and I might even see your user, uh, like a, a camera uh, on my LCD screen, seeing you play. Once your ball one is up, boom, my ball one, and I get to play. It's basically you playing okay, I see what you're, I your see what you're friend saying. at your house, but you're not at your house. Huh. T- typical okay. playing pinball, but All just right, you're right, you're right. I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, I'm not a... Uh, I'm not aware of anything like that yet, so... That's what I picture when I'm picturing playing against friends, because that's how I play pinball with friends that are physically in the same place as me. I, I don't okay. race them. Yeah, I, okay, I get it. I get it. Huh. I hadn't really I hadn't really thought about that as the direction uh, oh. in terms of that implementation specifically. Well, a lot of people think way. maybe a head-to-head, like, hey, we're going to do a task-based thing, and the first person that gets Godzilla multiball uh, wins, and the computer's going to know that because we're going to start the same, you know, that. But now I'm talking about just playing pinballs, pinballs made to be played kind of thing. Okay. That's what I want. Hmm. I don't know why I went on a tangent there. but Well, you seem to feel very passionately about it. Yeah, I think that's the next, next big thing for, for pinball. So much so that the popularity of pinball is creating spammers. And fishers, Uh-oh. they call them fishers Uh-oh. or fishermen. What do they well, call them when somebody does you know, fishing? Uh, fish, fishing's but. like trying to get info, I believe. Like trying to get people to give you your password so they can go into your Bank of America and wire all the monies. Don't fuck with fish, man. We're nothing but love. Not that fish. 
No, definitely not that fish. That fish will never get a pinball machine. <laughs> that fish don't. That fish don't swim. <laughs> uh, Stern Pinball on their social media this last weekend had a PSA. They said the following: We've been noticing more scam pages and phishing attempts being made around pinball on social media. We are making serious efforts to get these pages shut down to protect the entire pinball community. Be incredibly careful when you're interacting with pages you aren't familiar with and never give out your personal information on social media. In the meantime, if you are considering a new purchase, you can do so at our authorized dealer page to ensure that you're talking to the right people. Heart link to buy game list of dealers. I found it interesting that they did this because this wasn't a stern thing. This was like a, hey... You know, we're the leader in games sold, so we're making an attempt to help the whole industry out by getting rid of some of these pages that are just bullshit and they're just scamming people. Mm. Usually Stern sticks to their own stuff, but they're like... Well, it's, it would mostly impact them, though. Sure, I imagine sure. Stern's, because it's the industry leader in games sold, is often the one that the scams are oriented around. Yes, yeah. That was interesting, and it's a good reminder to everybody. If you see a Godzilla Pro new in the box for 4400 bucks, it's bullshit. <laughs> You're going to get your money taken from you. Every manufacturer now should have a list of authorized dealers. <laughs> I don't know. You know it's, I, Spooky might still not. Spooky actually. may still not, actually. Dennis, I want to hear more about your broken-ass Godzilla premium. Ah. That's my Godzilla, healthy Godzilla roar, but he was, he's mending. He has his back. He had his back surgery. Oh, his buck surgery. Yes. So his, what, what his happened? Spikes are you, healed. you, uh, you were having some issues with the back fuck identifying locks intermittently. Yes. Very, very intermittently. It was, yeah. The, the rhyme or reason to it was, was nonsensical, sporadic, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I mentioned this on a prior pinball show episode, yep. actually, where we, we briefly discussed it. So I called my distributor or I messaged my distributor because I know you, we don't call in today's era. We text. I do so calls. I messaged Zach at Flipping Out Pinball because the way it was happening is I, I have a Godzilla premium. So the building lowers into ball lock position. Mm -hmm. That works fine. The ball would then go down. Uh, you know, you drop the, the ball into the building, it falls down, it rolls to the VUC. The ball doesn't get ejected back out until ball search. Mm. The problem, of course, with that is if there are not balls already locked, what normally would happen is the building does the whole raise lower trying to find the lock, but I don't get the ball locked. Mm -hmm. It comes back to the flipper. So it was getting very frustrating because... I was getting cheated out of a lot of earned locks. Uh, and so this was impacting things like monster zero and stuff. Cause I'm not getting credit for my locks and, yeah. and I'm ending up draining. Cause I'm not that good of a player. Uh, so anyway, uh, we tried first thoughts, felt off like, those, right? Yeah. We tried everything. So we did, you had me do the opto test, you know, bake, break the line of sight with a mm -hmm. piece of paper. It's firing fine. You cleaned the uh, optos. You repositioned I cleaned them, the optos sure. and, and reattached. They were hundred percent in test though. Yeah. Yes. And that's the thing. I would go into ball test and it would, it would show that the opto was always triggering when I would drop the ball, mm -hmm. even when in the, in the switch test, when I'd pull out the interlock switch, so we'd have everything turned on, I could, I could actually duplicate the problem, Yeah, but not consistently. Like it might take two dozen tries. And everything, maybe the coil. Yeah. yeah. They never so go we, bad, but no, 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 the coils clearly not damaged that we can tell, but we test the coils. We disconnect 
all of the wiring mm-hmm. from the coils and the optos all the way to the node board. You have me disconnect and reconnect everything to node nine. Uh, you send me a new node board to Since put in for node, node nine. Yep. Maybe it's I install the new node board. Like a transistor on the node board or yeah. something. Yep. Same problem though. Intermittent, non-detection, uh, non-launch of ball, I should say. Because yeah. it always knows that the ball is there, at least according to test. Didn't we even swap out? Because I was like, we can get clever. We can take that opto and on the same board locate another opto swap the positions on that board and see if that that new opto is just as flaky and it was we did not we talked about it but we didn't because when i was able to duplicate it in test mode and it was saying vuck opto on we knew the opto read the ball still so so anyway, so, so that was the issue, maybe. Right, right. And I'm thinking, okay, well, because I actually, after the TPS episode, I, I had people write to me and say, I had someone say, yeah, I've been having this problem, mm-hmm. but I didn't have this problem until 0.94 came out. Mm-hmm. And I had another person email me say, yeah, it always, to me, it seems to happen when I'm on lock two. And like yeah, they get ball that. unlocked and then lock two wouldn't immediately fire up and they'd have to wait for ball search. Now, when that would happen, ball two ends up getting locked. So you didn't get cheated, but, sure. but you still had to wait. Um, and so it's like, okay, I don't know. So anyway, we, I, I'm on, I'm invited on the stream, uh, with Joel from Joel to be with Craig and Mike, mm-hmm. and we're doing the intro and sort of like, what, what's the last game you played? And I mentioned, you know, I, at home, Godzilla was still the last game I had played, but I just, I, I wasn't, I've been trying to break a billion points and I just, my will to do it has really diminished because my ball locks just weren't happening. And I'm like, how many times do I have to try and lock the ball just to get one ball lock? It just, it was really pissing me off. And we so. were reaching out to Stern. Yeah, trying you, to and so you had sent a message to Stern we Tech to see, yeah. right, to see if this could be deduced. And so that's where, back to our intros, where you noted Keith was, uh, was watching that stream. He sent uh, a, a chat comment just saying, send me a, send me a video of the problem. And when I had logged into Facebook, he had sent me a message saying, saying similar. So I sent him the switch test video I had sent you mm-hmm. where it shows, you know, and I'm, I'm verbally explaining this is what's going on. And so Keith writes me back and he goes, okay, your switch. I think the way, the way he used is it, it blipped. My VUC opto was triggering, but it wasn't staying painted broken. So mm. Here's here's the so what it, what was happening is it was it was hitting it was hitting the opto but it wasn't staying on the opto. Talk sexy to me, goat. Yes. So, I'll so yeah, I, I didn't phrase it like that. I'm just like so. She's like he's seen this before. He actually had this happen to him uh, when his his vuck got bent. Oh, so okay. when he was moving doing some playfield stuff. So anyway, what happens is on the premium and LEs. The su- there's the subway, of course, from where the ball the ball drops down the building and it lands in a subway, mm-hmm. and then the ball rolls to the vuck. Yep. There can be a gap between the subway and the vuck, and there is a gap on mine. Yeah, yeah. There and goes. what happened? So, in in simple dentist terms, he he Keith explained a lot more technically, but is the ball would roll down, hit the vuck, trigger the opto, but then it bounces back and it rests on that lip, that seam created between the subway and the vuck. A gap, yeah. V- yeah. So now it's no longer breaking the opto. So the opto no longer thinks the ball is there and the vuck won't fire until the ball settles on the opto. It has it takes a little bit. Mm-hmm. So so because of that, the opto doesn't think the ball's there anymore. Ball search initiates, but it's over the vuck enough and when the vuck tries to fire, the ball ends up getting up top. Settling so, and getting up there, yeah. Yeah. So the solution, his solution was just tape a business card to close the seam. That's simple enough. 
Just put it in the subway. Yeah. So I had some fish paper from my wood rail days. That's like a a really thick paper for electrical insulation. Mm -hmm. Because on the wood rail days, Zach, the flipper buttons were metal and you would get electrocuted from the leaf switches. So so you used fish paper. They even used fish paper in like the 90s and shit too. Oh, okay. I don't ever work on 90s games because I only own Gottlieb crap. (laughs) So. I, uh, so I, I taped down my fish paper. I did some quick tests because I, I did that while I was working. So went back to work. I, I couldn't, I didn't have any errors. Played the game a bunch yesterday. I played the game this morning. 100% success rate on ball detection. And I figured it would be after going back and looking at your video. I was like, shit, Zach, I, I should have seen, I don't know. I should, I guess I should have seen that gap and questioned that. But I thought it was elevated to a certain degree where it couldn't Right, that it couldn't get back, back over. Yeah. But, but it, they're yeah, actually to, they're actually basically level. Yeah, at least it had on to mine. almost be leveled in order to sit back into that gap. And that may just be a an installation thing on mine or 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 whatnot. But yeah, likely. Or I, the other way you could fix it, um, Keith probably wouldn't agree to this, but it would fix it. Is um, bend that fuck back towards so there's not hmm. a gap. And and that's where in his case where he first saw that happen was because his got bent in, bent in a move. The other way, so yeah. right. So so yeah, if my if my vuck would now my vuck to me did not appear bent. But, oh yeah. Um, yeah, I mean because he's like, you know, it could be a, it could have been an assembly issue where they my guess is versus a lot of other people, my gap between the subway and the vuck is probably larger than most, but mm-hmm. I, there were other people that had said at least sometimes this was happening to them. So every single person who directly contacted me that I could remember, I've already responded to and let them know this was. What yeah, this was is told. a fix. Yeah. So yeah. Keith Elwin, you're a stud nicely. So done. He, he fixed it and I still haven't bro- broken a billion. But just before we started recording, I set my new grand champion score because I'm, I'm playing again. Keith Elwin, 20, Zach, zero still. Well, you, you did your, but maybe if I called the bone, I could have been spared all of this, maybe, but I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. He's just good like that. And we know why that you're so popular in pinball media is because of that big ass gap you got. Oh yeah. It was a healthy gap. I haven't checked my gap. I'll have to go check it out. Well, you, you haven't been having that problem. So why bother? I mean, because I feel insecure why, now. I want to see what the size of my gap is. Insecure. If you're not having the problem, why, why even bother looking? I don't know. What a simple, easy fix though. Damn it. Nicely done. Yeah. I, uh, once I saw it and he, he, he explained the situation and he showed in the switch test, the, like the difference with how my opto was triggering, but it wasn't actually staying mm-hmm. the, the beam being broken. Cause he's like, it's one of two things. Either your opto is not aligned, which again, with all the tests we'd done, we knew the opto was aligned or there's, there's something with the assembly between the subway and the VUC. Yeah. It triggers, but it doesn't so. stay because right, it, yeah, right. Cause it's rolling back absolutely. off. It's not settling on the VUC. I knew it had to be the, something like it. The but piece of paper say, solves it. Would you say Dennis, now you are, uh, after going through all that troubleshooting and node board, you're more familiar with the with the system of a new spike game. Yo, yeah, because I'd never had a spike before. Yeah. So as you were like, Dennis, what are you doing? I don't understand where anything's connected. I'm breaking everything apart. Well, because you're all like, do we need to test this and this and these node boards are interchangeable? And I'm yeah. just like, this is all weird to me. And like, I forgot I'm not to tell to... you about the dip switch thing. That was another. Well, that one at least was kind of like uh, once we. Uh, yeah, I got the new dip switch and I, I installed the board. My dad was over for some Sinbad work. Uh, he's a, he's a retired engineer, electrical engineer. And we were, I was like, I'm it's saying node nine isn't detected anymore. I check every cable. They're all quite snugly attached. You know, I didn't miss any pins. And he's like, 
it, it should be a dip switch then. I'm like, I don't see any dip switches. They're under like a yellow piece yeah, of tape, so I couldn't see, see them. Yeah. So I didn't know that was the, I didn't yeah, know that was a dip, dip switch. shit on that dip switch. No, I should have gave you a because I don't fine. know. It came from the I, factory, so I don't know if it's set up as an eight or a nine. It's just one simple dip switch. I just, I grabbed the old one and looked at where the, you know, and then I just yeah, toggled it to yeah. match it. And then it was like, it was fine. I was just like, I didn't even realize that we're, I mean, it made sense because you're going to swap them around. You would, you'd need a way for it to know the difference between the boards. It's just with that piece of tape over there, you know, that's, the, mm-hmm. I've never seen uh tape covering dip switches. Yep. So. so your race to 1 billion continues, continues. I now at 930 some million. <sighs> had so we not close. had to record, had you not insisted, I always be on time. Maybe I wouldn't have been flustered during Mechagodzilla multiball. Or if I wasn't a half an hour, 45 minutes late. <clears throat> yeah, you were late and I could have still played. But. I wasn't having sex this time, unfortunately. Production hmm. update for Stern Pinball. Earlier this past week, Stern did communicate with uh, with some dealers saying that we are still seeing continued supply chain disruptions. Uh-oh. That's no good. That's because of the F-150s. Damn F-150s. They said they are building Star Wars Premium this past week, and they're going to continue building them. Uh, this week, if you guys are listening on Monday, this week they're going to continue building them. Then they're going to finish up the Star Wars Pro run that they, they took a break on or a pause on to make some premium. So that's coming. They also said that Led Zeppelin Pro and Premium and Guardians of the Galaxy Pro will kick off September. Now, my previous reports told you that would be end of August. So it sounds like we are about a week delayed on things. I would assume that the last call, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles runs, uh, Pro and Premiums, they were supposed to be... Uh, I, they were supposed to be September. I'm thinking they're still going to be September. They haven't told us otherwise. But I'm wondering now, Dennis, does this mean that the new Cornerstone release is going to see a slight delay as well? Hmm. Well, you know, uh, for those listening today on Monday, on the release day, there was a lot of thought that if it was indeed going to drop on Tuesday, normally the teaser trailer hits on Friday, and that didn't happen. Mm. And the teaser trailers aren't as predictable typically uh, um but so are you w- still holding fast that you think tuesday is going to be the reveal i don't think it's happening and i went back and i looked um don't be mad stern i went back and looked at because i'm such a nerd on new games when they initiated conversation with dealers to say hey sign up for the seminar we're going to be doing it uh, tuesday or whatever uh when they usually initiate that signing up of Gary Stern's seminar. And that's typically done on a Friday and we did not get that either. Mm. Now, having I, said I, I that, do th- I do think we don't see it now in, in August. Having said that, I think it was, it was either rush or Godzilla where we were given a heads up on Monday for a Tuesday, Wednesday seminar. So no, I'm going to say, no, nope, it's pushed to September now. I think so too. Sadly, I think so too. People are desperate to talk about a new game. That's all I hear. That's all people want to know. And Stern's the only one they're anticipating, at least being the next one, which I still think is the case. But. I will say the shortage in chain disruption and supply chain disruption is also affecting accessories, as we've seen some delays there. Um, right now, shaker motors are hard to get for the spike systems. Um, a lot mm. of us dealers have have uh, over-ordered in preparation for things like this to happen. And I was I had a good healthy inventory for the last six months, but that has dried up as well. So there is no known when some of these things are coming back in stock. I would guess probably in the fall at some point. So well, I'm yeah. I'm glad I already got a shaker motor for Godzilla. Oh, I only have one spare shaker motor, and it's a Sam shaker. 
Oh, I bought as a like a buy one get one during a Black Friday, sure. and I I've just I've been waiting to get another Sam game, and I I never have. So well, yeah, it just could, sits. Could you not throw it in your Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Trek's got your favorite, the red tremor shaker. Could you not remove that throw in the <laughs> fucking fire and actually no, no. put in? No, an I've OEM? got that one turned. I got that one turned down. I'm not going to mess with it anymore. Mm-hmm. It's gentle, yeah. like a breeze. Summer breeze you have like with jazz rubber washers holding it in place. Good lord! <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just some look. Someday, Zach, those World Poker tours are going to fall back to twenty five hundred dollars, and I'm going to be ready with a shaker motor. <laughs> just you wait and see. Oh, speaking of supply chain issues, I got an update from American Pinball as well. Oh, I haven't heard from them in a while. Oh, well, they emailed dealers to say that Houdini's are being pushed back. Houdini's the first game they ever made Houdini's yep being pushed back yep they had plans to start running those after the Oktoberfest that were on now I, I remember vaguely so uh, and correct me as I as I make mistakes here are these the old style Houdini's because they were like going to do final runs of like all the old stuff and then I think they were moving to like a new uniform cheaper way to build them or is this like the new way honestly as a dealer I'm confused so what's that tell you but I believe, if I'm correct, this rest of this whole year is the originals, how they were doing them. Next year starts the different head, the stripped out, stripped down parts, that kind of stuff. Okay. So I don't know how this is now affected because of, I will just say, based on general um, electronics supply chain issues, forcing Houdini's to be pushed back. And the reason being is that they were saying, I think I could say this. Stay fixed. Don't be pissed off. Uh, Houdini's and Oktoberfests and I think Houdini's and Oktoberfest were working off the same type of electronic system or a spe- specified component, whereas uh, later run, and I think maybe some Hot Wheels, but later run Hot Wheels were not, we're seeing different components being used. So well, Hot Wheels is taking the place on the production line of Houdini once Oktoberfests are done running. Oh, okay. So it's a uh, it's game specific essentially, yes. or a couple yes. games specific. So it will All not right. affect uh, Legends of Valhalla. It will not affect their new game. This is more of a hey, we Laser were using tanks. this in the past. We uh, yeah. <laughs> can we just call it? Can we rename it Laser Tanks? They're tanks with freaking lasers on. <laughs> Dave Fix did say supply chain issues. Prepare yourself, industry, because. 2023, there's still going to be an issue. They may still be an issue in 2024. Man, Gary Stern's been saying the same, so Ugh. makes sense. Dennis, what do you make of this whole American Pinball getting a working magic girl at Pinball Expo? Another confusing thing to me. I just, <laughs> what? <laughs> I just, what the fuck uh, is going on? I hope they didn't spend, I, maybe they just bought it a plane ticket. I just hope they didn't invest much time on this. But it's, why? It's fun. Well, that's I the thing. don't get it. That, from a company perspective, there's no point. Uh, there were some, uh, and again, I think this is just because there's not been a new game in a while since Toy Story, really, and everyone is just hungry for something to talk about that I saw people online speculating that this meant American Pinball was going to start building functional magic girls and selling them. I would say that's ridiculous, but then I think about some decisions. I'm like, oh, who knows? I I think this is just a part of, I think, hasn't in the past Dave Fix been really involved with Expo? Like, Yeah, I think, yeah. Right. And he so continues I think to this be involved is, with I Expo. I think this is him through AP throwing Rob Burke a bone. Like, we know that Expo in 2021 sucked. So let's get you something that people might actually want to look yeah, at. Yeah, but doesn't Rob Burke have 
buckets of money? Well, I, I'm not saying that there wasn't, and maybe there was some some shared compensation or anything. Uh, I just think this is just one little. So like, is it it's be already sitting done. In the, the Europeans, booth? if the that's the thing, I'm not clear on. I'm going to guess yes. Like if <laughs> if I bought, look, if I bought my if I bought a pinball machine, a plane ticket to let it fly first class to Chicago, <laughs> it's going to be in my booth. That magic girl sitting next to me. That's right. She's my plus one. That's right. That's right. So, so she's going with chicken over steak. Come on. So I think it was just like the, you know, it's just a gimmick to try and get people interested in an expo because you know, it's just not a very good show. So we're going to pay money to ship a game overseas to sit in our booth yeah, for people to play and potentially sure. like more than our current products that we're selling. Okay. Well, All right. well, Understood. come on. Understood. Reading up the detailed piece in pinball news. Uh, about the magic girl fixes they no way magic girl is going to be like seen as a better playing game than houdini or something so that's not yeah, i don't man. think that's a risk yes it's a pretty game but and, that's all it's got going for it and as a reminder everybody if anybody's going to fall in love with a game made by john Duke, it would be me because i am very much a fan of a lot of his older pieces i own those games i get behind them even though people say they're designed poorly or whatnot i love them and when you hear me saying Magic Girl does not look like a good layout or a good game, that should be saying a lot. Neither did Raza. That game, layout-wise, looked like ass. Complete <laughs> and utter stand-up uh, target well, ass. Those I remember you were pretty critical of the the stand-up target approach. Really, a lot of the approach that the layout was when it, the prototype was revealed. Was. And I know a lot of people who played the prototype did not have very favorable opinions of it, though opinions did vary as they often do in pinball. So one interesting ramp, the rest are stand-up targets. That's kind of like magic girl too. In a lot of ways, there's some clever things on magic girl. Believe me, I have researched way too much about the development of magic girl, uh, how it all went down, not the legal stuff, but more so design and components and toys and levitating balls and ball locks. And I've even very much looked into uh, I've watched gameplay of this fixed game. I, I know what the rules are. I know all that. Like the locks themselves, very clever. Uh, the ramp diverters, very clever. Everything else, pfft, junk. The thing that interested me about this isn't that they got it working. That's imp- I mean, from like a homebrew perspective, that's really impressive. What what I thought was so interesting, again, reading that the Pinball News article, which went into depth, uh, like interviewing the people who actually got it working, is the games that... I remember hearing when, you know, Papa Duke was associated with American Pinball and he was giving them the, the first non-produced Houdini design and in exchange they were going to build the Magic Girls and then the Houdini was just a diorama of nothingness mm-hmm. and it wasn't a functional uh, game concept. Another beautiful game. Jeez. And then they they gave him like an as I heard the story, like a little corner of the space to build his own <laughs> games and they <laughs> but that they produced the parts, you know. Here's all the stuff you said you needed. What I did not realize is like every single one of those is different. And part of it seems to be he had various components in his Zidware studio to put in games, but they weren't standardized. Oh, so wow. that so I the problem that. with with this group of Europeans who got these, you know, made working magic girl is they can't give a universal guide to convert the AP versions to working versions because every single one of them is a little different in terms of how it's built. Why and what parts are in it. That, it's not that standard. That sounds like how Deadpool was uh, that sounds like how deeper it was starting off. 
Yeah. Remember the rooms of just random parts and shit. And it's like, wait, what? It's just so, yeah, he just like had boxes of targets and stuff. And he just, I guess to get them out, just threw stuff in and some things had a different design. Like just, it's not, it's just not consistent. So really weird, but I mean, it's it's kind of, it's kind of cool. I've never seen a Magic Girl in person. I'd be interested in looking at it at, at Expo. I doubt I'd want to stand in line to try and play. Well, if it doesn't play well, maybe there won't be a line. But I think trending up this week is the size of testicles of the man that owns this game, willing to bring it across the seas and let everybody bang on it, and also just the sheer anger still towards the way that whole thing went down. Uh, having it in public for people to get close to. Yeah. I don't think anyone would do anything. It's not like John's making money off of it. So remember the story I told you that was confidential prior to us starting people will do and, and, and do anything. People are nutty. Yes, that that's true. But there's, there's always a risk to sending a game to a show, but what sort of show would we have if people didn't take their games to them? I'm fine taking a game that they've made 2000 of. But if there's only one working, yeah. But people do this. Uh, you know, homebrewers bring their custom stuff. That's part of the fun of it, right? Is to show off your one, your one of a kind or rare restoration. You know, people brought the Kroll game one year to a show, and they only made what eight of those or something. I mean, look, that, I'm looking that, forward that, to that's playing. That's the point. It. I'm looking that's forward to playing it. I'm really grateful people bring the rare stuff because there's right. ain't no other way you're ever going to experience. It. I am as well. I just I don't know. You take a you take a chance. And who knows, maybe the show has good insurance if someone torches it. I'd be more worried about uh, a J-pop installed part catching on fire. And I mean, ideally, you're thinking about the, the value of this game is at least $40,000. No. Sure it is. No. Sure it is. I guarantee nope. you. Well, then let's see if someone someone make an offer of $40,000 to buy the game at the show. I guarantee you, if, if I offered 40000 for that magic girl, the owner would turn me down. You know what? I'm not going to get, I don't think that that's a true guarantee. I think the, they were wanting over 50,000 to replicate one. Yeah. Well, that was in Canadian dollars. I think. Oh, we, I don't know. Uh, I'll play it. I already know what it looks to shoot. Like, uh, maybe you'll like it, Zach. You like Halloween. Maybe I'll like, no, even the, like they fixed the code and stuff, but it still isn't refined. So it's still sloppy. Text no, and I stuff, mean, and I, don't yeah. know. Okay. I, do, I do like, uh, I do like Toy Story. A lot of people don't like that. Oh, hear, it shoots well. Did you hear this last week that uh, CEs are now shipping? I did. Nobody cares. Well, I do. I'm waiting for mine. I'm waiting. I'm, I'm, I'm eager to get mine. Okay. Well, I'm glad you're excited. You were able to, I think we've got some of our shipping out this week. Oh. A bunch of mine. Still needed Ellie, so I don't understand why they shifted like that, but whatever. I'm going to be bitter about it. but Yeah, don't be bitter. They're doing the best they can. There are supply chain issues. Look, I was listening to your first impressions from the uh, Collected Gamers podcast. Go listen to that if you want to hear Dennis describe this game as, quote, a training wheels game, end quote. What uh, what were your thoughts about playing Toy Story 4 LE for the first time on location with a busted up spinner? <laughs> All your qualifications. How fun. Uh, it All was yours. Fun. I was like, oh, it was, so no, these are not judging my... a game that... Uh, had a broken that's, spinner. Okay. That's uh, a game that had been on route for two weeks. So that tells you about the quality of the spinner. Oh, the, what's your fucking sample size? One? Come on now. That's right. <laughs> all I need is a sample of one. Like what? Like you've sampled 30? Like your one good game meant that it's all great? I mean, come on. 
that's a valid, valid argument. That's right, exactly valid. valid I, I find it interesting when you try and argue like logic, logic against me. Like you think you'll win. I I've, don't understand I've it. Played three to be fair, but you're okay. you're, you're far too well, driven right. by your passions. You're far too training wheels game. Well, that's and this is not unusual. Everyone's been saying it's just it's an easier game to play, and they set it up to have some issues. Like I think they set it up harder than the default on really? location, but it shot well. I enjoyed the jump wrap. That was actually a lot of fun to hit. That's a great shot. Uh, not it's really. Not, a it's fan. not super easy either, right? That no, jump no, ramp. it is not. I missed it more often than I yeah, hit it. Exactly. If you guys yeah. want to see something painful, go watch Joel's last stream of it, where he was. <gasps> oh, poor Joel! Oh man, it was Gosh. so. It was more. Entertaining. He needs to put those metal flippers on ASAP. <laughs> so much more entertaining than any competitive pinball tournament I've ever seen in my life. He got Ouch. his last two games were within. His last game, spoiler alert, within two shots of starting that wizard mode, I thought he was going to pull his hair out. He said that it's like the most frustrating experience in pinball he's ever he's ever had. But he kept hmm. pressing that spark button. Yeah, and I know he's down. And again, I haven't. I didn't get far enough to experience this. I know he's very frustrated with the thing with the super loops. Yes, yes. As a so that's like the one part they took the training wheels off. Yeah, his complaint is it's too hard. I'm like, well, shit. Which one is it here, people? Mm-hmm. I know what he's saying now. Yeah. So you, you felt understand. you and Tony both felt like it shot very, fairly well. Yeah. Uh, I need more time on it to rank it against the other Lawlers. Mm-hmm. But like I um, I would say I probably enjoyed shooting it more than Wonka, but less than dialed in. So I put it okay. at number two where I currently kind of stand. I mean, I, but I, nothing I like things to be a variety. Away. I don't want everything to be a brutal shooter. It sure. being an easier shooter is a nice change of pace. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, the spinner being broken really sucked because that took away a lot of yeah, a it took away a lot too. of uh, of capability on it. Um, the game was had some other you know kind of wonkiness, mm-hmm. uh, like the ball release for the road trip multi ball would, and I guess other people were saying it was like rattling on release sometimes. So you get straight down the middle re- uh, releases, which oh, you couldn't really do anything sucks, about. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I lost a ball to that, but again, I had absolutely no time on it. Um, and I still was able to take first place in competition on it. So that tells oh. you about the training wheels. I didn't, yeah. I didn't. Cause I was able to rely on my raw skill, raw, my raw skill, but yeah, I, and I need to remember to watch the giants, uh, tablet more because I, like I wouldn't always pay attention to know exactly what I was supposed to, supposed oh, to like shoot and, and on stuff, jjp's yeah. everything's lit everything's all the time flashing, so yeah. so i'm like okay and then one of the other players was like just read the screen dennis mm-hmm. i was like oh yeah it does tell me exactly what i need to be doing so yeah i mean it's fine and i could hear it like it wasn't loud enough that the like, carny carny sounds were annoying to me or anything but i could i could hear the call outs and stuff joel's struggling with the sounds he said of the game oh That's yeah i mean criticism. i haven't i haven't really liked a lot of the JJP sound effect package really since Thiel left. I can see that. Yeah. Or I can so, hear that. Like, I don't mind the music and stuff that they've done in the game. Just the sound effects mm-hmm. that kind of, kind of irk me, but, but I'm not like a, a Ryan C who's really, really uh, like sounds not a big deal to me. Like the tinkling glass of the Alice Cooper's nightmare castle. I despised in, on that spooky title, but sure. it's still like, it didn't dissuade me from, playing and enjoying the game yeah, it takes a lot so. for me sound wise to be annoyed so, uh, so anyway yeah it's 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 an yeah it's an easier player um the flippers do feel better at least on location than the other jjp games and so the, but that. they still feel like a yeah, JJP, they're not they're not but, snappy like sterns it's just mm-hmm. but that's that's always i mean unless they choose to copy sterns flippers that's just how it's going to be and you said the the uh if i remember correctly in your podcast you said visually the game is it's a beautiful game it looks yep. good yeah 
Just nothing that slapped you across the face like, oh, shit, that's unbelievable. Just, yeah, yeah, I just the way they incorporated the art on the on the play field and stuff, I, it's it's attractive. Like, yeah, I think it, lo- looks it looks way better than Wonka did. Mm-hmm. I think people are finally coming to more of a consensus about this game now that people uh, have been able to play it more. I think more people play it at shows is going to help as well. But I think evaluation of any game when you're talking about adding it to your collection. And, and I know this is not and I understand why it's not. It's not the straight down the middle way, Zach, but. The problem isn't the gameplay, or even that it's easy. It's that it's twelve thousand exactly. plus. That's dollars. what I was going to say. The That's the problem. Is, with it. Yeah, it's more. It's more money than people see value it, in compared exactly. to other products. It feels similar. like you're paying. Uh, you're paying a premium for nothing extra. Mm-hmm. And and again, that's where and, again, it, and it can be seen as completely unfair. But we're not obligated to be fair. Sure. Uh, but someone like me is going to sit there and compare it to a Godzilla premium which is $3,000 less and feels like it just has a lot more going on. Mm-hmm. My argument there would be, if I had to, is, okay, so you purchased Godzilla Premium. Yeah. Some people want more than just that game. Sure. You know, because it's comparing it to Godzilla Premium is, you can't compare hardly any game to Godzilla Premium. I know, and that's part of the reason why I said it's not it's not fair to do. Yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, if you wanted to talk about, you could take Rush Premium. I mean, there's a lot going on with Rush Premium. Mm-hmm. Toy Story might fare better if we were to compare it to Led Zeppelin Premium, mm-hmm. which mechanically still doesn't seem to have very much going on with it. But again, it's thousands less. Yeah. So that's the thing. There's just the jump ramp is the only thing that to me stands out mechanically when I played the game. Even though I know there's other mechanical stuff like the diverting and the the physical ball locks, it just they're not in, they're just not they're not bad they're just not impressive like they don't blow anyone's socks off yep ma'am i can at least not my socks i can see that i can see that what about what about this is it a better jump ramp than no good gophers oh yeah okay i got grilled for that one because i said no mechanically and functionally it's far superior than no good gophers i do like that no good gophers has this this chance and luck of it do you hit the what hole 19 or 18 or whatever? Oh, yeah, I like that. One. But just mechanically, this jump ramp is super smooth and seamless. It it really does well from a mechanical standpoint. That's yeah, all. no. I I think it's uh, I thought it was a more enjoyable ramp yeah. myself. It's not uh, I need to play. I need to play it some more. I've got a lot more time on no good gophers. Uh, I've never been a huge fan of the No Good Gopher, Gophers Jumper. No. Honestly, I just find it uh, really clunky. And this is not. It's just, it's it's an incredibly, I thought it was an incredibly well-designed ramp. It's my favorite, easily my favorite thing about Toy Story was that ramp. So. Yeah, a lot of people are comparing Toy Story 4 to you hear No Good Gophers, you hear Dialed In. And if you guys check out the latest Straight Down the Middle This or That video coming out and debuting this week, we put it to the test. Toy Story 4 LE or... No good gophers and dialed in standard. Wow, money you guys are doing money a tot. wise about the same. You haven't done what a tot in a long time. We, we we call it tot now. Well, we got a tot coming in hot. How about yeah, that? That's right. See? Hot tot. That's what hot tots. <laughs> well, you know what time it is. It's, oh. It's time, Zach, to end the show. Ta-ka! Oh, you know what's Ta-ka! coming in hotter than a flaming tot with Mm-mm. Pinball bounty. A flaming pinball podcast segment with plenty of cheese. (laughs) 
Uh, it's Pinball Market Trends. That one came out so damn good. It, you sounded very passionate. You saved all your energy for this one segment. I love my notes for this where there's nothing. So <laughs> I look forward to all these well-researched trends. I hope you all enjoyed that scream because my back was beating the whole time. It's like, dude, right. you got no. I've just, I've just taken one disc of your back away. Your core's not strong enough for this <laughs> screaming. Oh, it's going to be a little bit different this week, listener. And Dennis, you guys might enjoy this a little bit more. There's nothing trending up this week. There's nothing trending down this week. No deals a week. No scream. Maybe a screaming goat or two. <laughs> but there is no deals at WTF because we are going to take a step back in pinball market trends this week. And we're going to give you a market analysis as of the summer of 2022. Hop along for a nice, informative ride. Dennis, over the past three months, we've seen uh, pricing of pinball machines in the secondary market start to come down, right? To a significant degree. Yep. Drop, drop, drop. No arguing there. Numbers don't lie. I can only report the facts, even if it's not in my favor. And I think it's fair to say that early 2022 is kind of the peak of pinflation. I think that's where the prices got the highest on that roller coaster. And that was built up from what we're calling the era of pinflation. Pre-pandemic, we're looking at uh, mid-2020 all the way up to 2022 here. Now, I have analyzed the trends over the last month, last 30 days. And I'm starting to see an overall slower rate of decline in pricing on the secondary market compared to months prior. Now, in other words, listener, we've seen some significant and fast declines in pricing overall in June and July. That's where we uh, picture it. Toy Story 4 was announced, right? Uh, People weren't jumping on that title as much. We also seen uh, just concurrently around that same time, prices starting to drop. Everybody's like, oh, the bubble is bursting, right? The the economy, the market in general in our society and the world is kind of going down. So we saw some big dives down in June and July. We continue to see uh, declining prices in August, but we're seeing the rate at which those are dropping to be less significant, less severe. We are still seeing some pinball titles continue to kind of what I'm calling drip drop in pricing, i.e. Halloween, The Mandalorian. They're going to continue to drop, uh, but they're drip drops. They're not bludgeoned. They're still dripping down. But there are many titles, listener, especially those the most sought-after titles. They have begun to actually level out. Interestingly, they have leveled out at a rate on the secondary market that is still substantially higher than that of pre-pandemic market pricing. Take, for example, Stern Pinball's Elvira's House of Horse or Stern Pinball's Stranger Things. During the pandemic, or over the last year, we've seen secondary prices blast through a ceiling that we thought was made of stone. Over the past couple of months, pricing for those two in particular sought-after titles has declined. There's no doubt about that. But they are still being sold for a substantially higher amount of money over MSRP. Overall, the market is adjusting itself now. We're in an adjustment stage. Many pre-owned games are being produced in plentiful, and those games being produced in plentiful are around that of a new inbox MSRP now. We're no longer really above that MSRP for a lot of these titles that are just being cranked out there. I'm seeing, for example, some Godzilla Pros that are used. They're going for about $100, $200 under MSRP. So back to those normal days of, uh, of buying a used game for less than a new in-box game. That makes sense. But 
Keep in mind that isn't considering shipping. There are some still dealers like Flippin' Out Pinball that offer free shipping on new games. So that kind of skews things. But for the most part, a general rule of thumb here, we're starting to see even the most popular games that are plentiful. They're building a lot, not Stranger Things, but things like Godzilla, Avengers, they're selling now used less than that of a new in-box price. And that is the leveling out that we're talking about. The same can be said for older titles over the past couple of months. Those less desired titles pre-pandemic are coming back down to reality finally. Your Fishtails of the World, Johnny Mnemonics, uh, EMs in general, System 11 games, Sega games. Overall, they're coming back down to reality. I do believe they'll likely settle in still a bit above the pricing before the launch of Pimflation 2021. 2021 is that big year of Pimflation because it persisted throughout the whole year. You're still going to see it settle a little bit above what we were seeing prior to that. Moreover, the sought-after titles, though, Indiana Jones, Tales of Arabian Nights, those are still commanding top dollar. Those have not seen as big of market fluctuation, as big of dip as you're seeing those less sought after titles. In a way, I'm seeing the market fluctuations are creating a larger gap in pricing between titles of pinball machines. And based on reported data and pseudo polynomial analysis, Stern Pinball and Chicago Gaming Company are showing to be the companies holding the best return on your dollar, especially the limited edition LE varieties of said games. Things like Godzilla LE, seventeen dollars to $18,000. That's holding uh, maybe the crazy pandemic price you were seeing Godzilla LE for twenty k. It settled to seventeen dollars eighteen, but still the return on the dollar is hot. Cactus Canyon Remake LE, still going to run you twelve dollars to k. The Mandalorian LE, you look at the pros, you look at the premiums, those are substantially below that of new inbox MSRP pricing, but the Mandalorian LE used, still holding right there at $11,000 the price of a new inbox. Medieval Madness remake, Ellie, thirteen dollars to $14,000, way above. Stranger Things Ellie, sixteen dollars to $17,000, way above. Attack from Mars remake, Ellie, thirteen to $15,000, way above. Deadpool Ellie, fourteen dollars to $15,000, way above. So you see what I'm trying to say. The differentiating point right now in your return on the dollar is highest for those really sought after older titles like Indiana Jones, Tales of Arabian Nights, and very much so for your CGC and Stern Pinball Ellie's. What I'm seeing is that gap growing more than anything. And the same goes for those pesky, pricey toppers and those hard-to-get accessories. Sure, we're not seeing $5,000 right now for the Star Wars R2-D2 topper or the Ghostbusters topper. People were paying that during that 2021 big uh, pinflation. But that doesn't say they're dropping all the way. They are still holding strong through this pandemic pinflation era and still settling in at about $3,000 to $3,500. So we hit the ceiling, and as we're coming back down, some things are settling in, and I don't think they're going to settle in quite as low as you would like them to, whereas other things are settling way down close to pre-pandemic pricing. The niche market of truly restored games also is worth note. These have held their own in the secondary market as well. So as a recap here, we're seeing a gap increase uh, as, as the market is stabilizing itself. Those games that are not as sought after and made in plentiful are dropping even more than the games that hold value like the Stern LEs, the High End Bally Williams, the CGC LEs, and the truly restored games of the world. And they will continue to hold their value and that gap will grow. Now, what will we see in the pinball market trends over the next year? I anticipate and predict that this growing gap will continue. Not much. You're still going to see the drip drop, as I call it. You're going to see a drip drop a little bit more, and you're going to see these uh, these higher-end things that I told you to keep your eye out on. You may see a little bit drop here and there, but not significant to the point of even the drip drop or even the, 
the gangbuster prices you're going to see on some of these pros that are made in plentiful. Gap will continue. The high-end stuff is going to stay high-end because it's a niche market and people are willing to pay for it. And you're going to see the other stuff that people stumble across and take a chance on. They will continue to decrease. That wasn't too bad, right? You didn't really address anything about whether or not the markets uh, will enter into a recession. You seem to be assuming that they won't based off of what you've said. So I thought it was very interesting uh, that you don't think that there would be any further dip, even though we're unclear. Yeah, the recession thing. I didn't dive into the recession, no. Right, right. Well, I mean, there... There's like one of two paths, right? Either we will or we won't go into recession. Technically, we're not in recession yet, though some people feel we should be. No. So I just thought it was sort of interesting. Like, no, I agree that the the like the pricing isn't dropping as much now as it did earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. So that part, I mean, that's obvious. I mean, that's obvious. You can see that. Not but, obvious to a lot of people. Well, no, because they don't look. But yeah. but you know, moving forward. Uh, part of the thing is a lot of this is sort of, in my view, mirrored what we've seen in terms of stock performance, which, okay, depending on what index you look at, That's January is kind of kind of the peak on that, but it was after March where everything really fell. Mm-hmm. But things started to recover over the summer, not to like March levels, but they've recovered from their, their dips like in, in late May time period. So, mm-hmm. So given that, that would explain to me why there's been a, a slowness, couple a slowing down of the declines, coupled with some of the stuff that we have seen, like crypto already. I, I mean, maybe it hasn't hit the bottom, but it's severely bottomed out. I don't it's know how many crypt- yeah. I don't know how many crypto bros got into pinball. Uh, like they were a real big issue in watches and driving up wristwatch prices. So we crypto saw bros that. like toys. Yeah, the, when they like things they think will appreciate, like some of them, some of the thought was they were moving into more physical items mm-hmm. as as alternative Tangible investments. Assets, yeah. But as their crypto returns, which many of them kept great sums of money in, have totally bottomed out, they've needed to liquefy other things to gain capital. Mm. So they've they've sold they they sell their Pateks and their Rolexes, and they might sell their pinball machines too if they were a heavy player in this market. It's just if inflation continues. You know, that's one factor we have to consider. Another thing is if the interest rates to borrow funding go up more and more and more, some people might turn to liquidating toys rather than borrowing to do Mm -hmm. projects and stuff. So, you know, this is a lot where you might be right. I'm just not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure we might see another. I remember in the, the last downturn, people are like the, you know, in new in box pinball prices didn't go down and I don't expect that to change, but a recession could drive people out of the hobby at least temporarily, or at least as collectors. Mm. And so that's where I'm wondering if people are going to just basically, based off of no choice, have to start unloading games. And that's not factoring in like where where I think your analysis is captured, what we, where we're already at, with people getting back to quote-unquote normal. Mm-hmm. Like people not buying as many games now because they're not stuck at home all the time. Like I think we're already, we've already seen the we've impact seen that. of that. Yep. I'm just kind of curious if... There are a lot of people that got into this hobby that I don't think they're long-termers. And maybe that's just because of the market. But I think they're going to be people that are like, you know what? Why do I have a room full of these things now? I'm never playing them. I think what may be fun is we we did just a market analysis for the summer of 2022, kind of where we're at now. Maybe in an upcoming pinball market trend segment. 
So what are we going to see in the pinball market trends over the next year or so? Recession versus no recession? It's very much unclear, but stay tuned for our continued prognostications on the industry and how it travels through the future. To be continued. But what we do know for sure, listener, is that I'm only here to report the facts and numbers don't lie, and neither do I, on pinball market trends. All right, Dennis, let's call it quits here. Where can people catch you? Oh, they can always write in to eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail.com or you can go to facebook.com slash eclecticgamerspodcast, use the messenger tool, and I'm usually the one who checks those. Yeah, and if you like watches and timepieces and horology, that kind of horology, then check out Watches with Dennis as well on YouTube. Beep, 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 beep. You can check me out. At the pinball network at gmail.com, email me over there, or you can catch me at Straight Down the Middle video series for pinball. Uh, we've got a this or that coming out this week, as well as a new pinball company that we're helping introduce with a new mod they are releasing. So check that out. I thought it was going to be last week. It's this week. Sponsor of this show is Flipping Out Pinball. Ding. As a reminder, that is my company. Uh, and we Ding. sell new, used pinball machines, arcade machines, accessories, and whatnot. We've got the Flipping Out Vault opened up go check that out all the all the treasures in the uh in the vault i told you guys i was going to add something i forgot so i'll do that today product showcase this week is the guns and roses le that we have pre-owned remember they're like 11k plus shipping new we've got this thing marked down pre-owned to 9800 bucks wow come pick it up yeah that's That's way under a toy story 4 Uh, that's pretty good right we also have one oktoberfest classic still left in stock We've got a Turtles Pro and Premium uh, that we're taking pre-orders on that last run here in September, as well as still taking orders on Toy Story 4 in general, the LE. Uh, CEs, I, eh, they're going to no, those all them. sold out. Jack told me they all sold out. Well, he sold them all out. I've still got some. <gasps> but if if they're building them all like right now, right now, because we have, we have a crap load coming in, uh, then I could probably get you one sooner than later. So. Check us out for that. Oh. Mandalorian Pro and Premium in stock. Rush Pro and Premium in stock. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Pro pre-owned. I, it may be pending, but if not, $6,100. we have got GNR LE in stock. Cactus Canyon Remake SE in stock. Still taken. we got a couple spots for the SE Plus Epsilon. Only with four the weeks out for those toppers. Mm, that's for LEs, maybe? I don't know. And SE Pluses, right? We'll or are they doing all the LEs first? I would assume they'll do all LEs first, but hmm. I, man, the, I, who knows? Who freaking knows? Insider Connected Kits, if you don't have them in your games, get them. It's worth it. It's fun. Taking pre-orders on Alien Queen. You've got the Elvira 40th anniversary that Nicole wants to get rid of. Uh, no, you want to unbox it. I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't mind it. I just want to see. Elvira's a fun game. It is. I, I can't afford 40 out of 40, though. That that commands a premium. And neither can I. Uh, I. I mean, I had to liquidate my, uh, pun intended, my above-ground bull. <laughs> Rush. Did, did you did you leave the water in it when they showed up? You know what? We were kind enough to pump out the water. <laughs> I just was like, well, shit, what are we going to do I'm now? taking off the, the first panel yeah, and just, just washing float, away. Float out. Wa- washing across the field. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. A storm is coming. <laughs> Take shelter. Oh, Rush pre-order accessories. At some point, they've got to release them, right? Jurassic. Where's the Godzilla topper? Uh, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where any of this shit's at. But if you need armor, art blades, or anything like that, hit us up. Golden T twenty twenty two. Hit us up. Arcade collection. We got one more of those. Hit us up. 
uh, Escalares has uh, merged his up. Last week, not much went on podcast-wise here at TPM, but a lot of streams. So check those out. And this week, I think we'll get, I think we'll get some podcasts this week. We got an Aussie Pinball podcast about to come out. Silver Brawl Chronicles is probably close, as well as Triple Dream and Final Round, everyone's favorite podcast. They're probably pretty close to a to a full week of content, and not just Mom's Spaghetti uh, and the Pinball Show. <laughs> That's a hot huh. hot episode there, Dennis. And people like the Nicole episode too. They did. She was so worried. She was like, "People don't want to hear me. I, I'm not good in the microphone. I'm nervous. I just I hate this shit." And I'm like, "Well." I had fun, and anymore, I really don't care. If I'm having fun, then uh, we keep doing it. And I love whenever I get to co-host with you, Dennis. Aw. She was a big fan of yours. Did you hear that? Fuck. Yeah. Talking to you. She said you were nicer, though. She's like, you're really a sweetheart deep down inside. I know. I'll take it. And you remind her of her son. (laughs) Yes. She she called me out when he had a birthday, I think it was, because she's like, I... Reference yeah, that, yeah. and then I didn't reply. I just I gave her a shocky face, but that was enough. She wanted a comment. Yeah, well, and so it's like, well, I gave the shocky face, Nicole. I don't know, I don't know what to say when you say this. I, I tried telling her. I, I was like, to, look, he set the trap, and you went right to it, and she fell for it. It's a trap. She fell for it. He plays hard to get for Dennis mm. Creasel. I'll always be the man to walk into Dennis Creasel's trap, Zach Minnie. And remember, Precious, if the computers get steals, just run Hot Wheels. <laughs> and always practice safe pinball and market gap and vuck gap and schedule gap. Oh, my. You were my friends. You were my friends. You the bomb on me. You turned me out. You turned me on. You turned me loose and you turned me wrong. Oh, come on, man. Dennis Creasel, ladies and gentlemen, concludes episode 111. <laughs> you, you, can, you can edit that out if you, if you want. Uh, that's your call. I think it's fun. Yeah, maybe. That's, that's a big downer. That's a rough one. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to a moment. Where's, where's Toad at? <laughs> the best. <laughs> the best. Oh, yeah. All right. <clears throat> sorry. Got a pinball company? Need computers? <laughs> For half the price, email us and we'll throw in a magic girl. It's just like, <laughs> just send your PayPal friends and family <laughs> to computersforlife at gmail.com. <laughs> oh this is what they do. This is what they do. Oh, man. That was a laugh that hurt my back. That was a good one. Well, good because I wrote Holy that in. I wrote that one out in the intro to save for you here. Oh, at the I'm end. sweating, man. <laughs> it's too good. Even if, uh, even if I mean, we're the only ones that get it, it's too good. Three, two, one.